lead. Mick Dittman is squeezing through on naturalism's emanations there with heroicity. And here comes Viander Cross. Viander Cross down the outside is motoring home. Naturalism the leader. Viander Cross inch by inch is wearing him down. Naturalism still in front. He ran out near the line, but Naturalism wins at a half length to Viander Cross in a bumping finish. Cavalieri, I think, third in front of Zamanay. It was Alfred Lord Tennyson who said, In the spring a young man's fancy lightly turns to thoughts of love. It was legendary race caller Ken Howard who said, In the spring a young man's fancy turns to horse racing. Nowadays a young lady's fancy may also turn to the track, especially on a day like Saturday August 20 when the new spring fashions will be trotted out for the first Group 1 of the season. It's the wink stakes for the older horses over 14 metres worth $750,000. Co-feature will be the Group 2 Silver Shadow Stakes for three-year-old fillies, which kicks off the Dali Princess Series, a quartet of races progressing through the Furious, the T-Rose, into the Group 1 Flight Stakes on Epsom Day. Back to Wink Stakes Day, and there are also three Group 3s on the card, the Show County, the Toy Show Quality, and the Premier's Cup. This is just the beginning, the first Group 1 of the season to launch a spring carnival of extraordinary depth. Saturday, August 20, for the Wink Stakes. Neil Payne turned many heads the first time he turned up at the races wearing one of his now famous outfits. As race day manager for the Waterhouse Bot Stable, he wanted to do something different. And he achieved this by establishing a wardrobe of suits, sports jackets, shirts and ties in dazzling colours with hats to suit every occasion. To say he stands out like a beacon is an understatement. His aim is to project a light and colourful image for Tullock Lodge and he has the full support of Gay Waterhouse. Neil's successful riding career was terminated by a very serious race fall in Noumea in 2014, a career which had brought him 1,283 winners, including a Group 1 and several stakes races. Neil is the son of Reg Payne, a highly regarded country-based jockey who rode more than a 1,000 winners. His brother Rodney rode many Australian winners before taking himself off on an overseas adventure. While waiting for a Sydney apprenticeship opportunity to come up, young Neil spent a few months with the late Colin O'Neill in Brisbane. He was then signed up by Albert McKenna, a respected Randwick trainer, who'd previously produced two outstanding apprentices in Gavin Duffy and Graham Robson. It hasn't been all plain sailing for Neil. He's had more than his share of serious injury, and 30 years ago, he lost the ride on a two-year-old who would go on to triple crown glory. On the credit side, he's made a million friends along the way, and he has the satisfaction of creating a mode of dress previously unknown on the Australian turf. Neil Payne, thanks for joining us. Great, Johnny. Great to talk. Was this wardrobe change entirely your idea? Um, well, yes and no. I, I always sort of dressed out there when I was riding, but it, it come to a, how, how should I say, um, a step up mm. when I started working for Gay. Which is and how long ago, Neil? Uh, 2015, I started. I, look, I rode for Gay from when I got overseas, 97 to 2014 till the fall. Right. And then 2015, I started riding for, for Gay. It's a funny story how, yeah. yeah, I didn't know what to do. And Gay just rang me, rang me up, you know, kept in contact with me while I was off injured in 2014 and yeah. rang me up and said, oh, Neil, what are you up to? What are you going to do? I said, well, Gay, I do not know. I said, mm. um, I said, my hands are buggered. I said, I can't ride. I said, you know, my body's buggered, so I don't know what to do. She said, I know what to do. She said, come and work for me. Oh, I said, uh, I said, what am I going to do, Gay? I said, I can't ride. I said, I, I said, what can I do? She said, never mind. She said, I'll find your job. Mm, so wonderful. from that day onwards, found a job, and she 
She said, Neil, dress how, dress how you like. And she said, I, I like how you dress. She said, you're always neat. And out mm-hmm. there, she said, you keep doing that. And she said, you know, anything mm-hmm. you like, you know, to buy or whatever, give me a yell and, you know, we'll sort of make it um, your own personal mm-hmm. sort of, how should you say, signature, you know, to go to the races. So that's what I've mm-hmm. done. And Jay really enjoys it. And I do think, John, if I went to the races, you know, grey suit or a black suit, I'd be looking for a, a new job the next day. Gay would be straight on the phone, Neil, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. So, and no, it, it's great and I really enjoy it. And people wouldn't recognise you either. That's exactly right. I'd be in amongst a crowd and no one would know it all. You were very friendly with a new Caledonian owner around the 2013-14 mark and He'd get you over to ride his horses from time to time. You made a number of trips for him, didn't you? That, that's right. I, I actually flew, you know, from about 2008 to 2014. I counted up in my passbook. I flew over there and back 52 times to New Caledonia. Good heavens. And, you know, it, it was. I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I'd, I'd ride here on the Saturday at Kembla or wherever I'm riding, mm. and then Sunday morning. They'd race most Sundays and they race between um, – I think it's April and October. It's mm. it's winter over there that time, naturally, so that's when they race. And I'd fly over there, and they'd race every second Sunday. Right. So I'd fly over there, you know, quite often, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. They've got four tracks over there, which is unbelievable, mm. four tracks, which surprised me. And the New Mia track is beautiful. It's mm. a beautiful track right in the middle of the city. Mm. And um, unfortunately, in 2014, that's where I hit the deck there one mm. day, in the new, actually in the Numea Cup. Yeah. Was and it a and, case of clipping heels, Neil? Yes, yes, it was, yeah. Mm. I, I clipped heels there and uh, went down and I broke a couple of vertebrae in my back oh, and yeah. both my hands. Mm. And I was over there in hospital for in New Caledonia for two weeks till they could get a brace fitted to me. Mm. So I could fly back to Sydney to go to into hospital here at Prince of Wales. So, um, and then laying there, John. Look, I was fifty-two when I fell, uh. and I was always going to give up riding when I was fifty-five. Mm. But um, I just uh, look my injuries, and I was quite hurt that time. And I just thought, oh, I can't go on. I can't go on. So, mm. you know, I, I made up my mind straight away. Mm. You know, that, um, that's the end of my riding career and sort of what do I do next? And luckily, Gay and the colourful outfits come along. Mm-hmm. Neil, how long was the rehabilitation period and what did you have to do? Lots of physiotherapy, I'd imagine. Uh, uh, lots, lots. Mm. I, was, I was off, um, well, from the time I fell to the time I started working for Gay was nine months. Oh, dear. So, mm. you know, I had to have this... Oh, this vest on for uh, was just over two months, and then just strengthening up your back and your body and everything. So, you know, I do a lot of swimming. I love the ocean swimming, and I do a lot of walking. Still do do mm. both. So, um, you know, that helped a lot. And you know, I'm I'm back as well. Well, I think I'm back as good as gold, except when I get out of bed, say at three thirty in the morning, <laughs> a few bones creak for the first twenty meters, and then I'm up and going. I'm right. But, um, you throw it off. <laughs> I throw throw it off, but um, you know, unfortunately, with all my falls and um, getting older, that's what happens. Now you'd been riding Gay's horses for quite a long time at the Saturday meetings at Kembla Grange in Newcastle. Mm. I can recall watching you in the broadcast box on the Sydney track and I'd see those dark blue and green stripes flashing past the post at Newcastle with N Payne on board. Oh, yeah, we, we had a lot of fun. Look, Gay, Gay used to send the good horses here, you know, like the likes of Desert War, Laser Hawk, uh, Grand Army. All them horses started off, they've all Group 1 winners. And mm. um, we, we used to, you know, Mark Newman and myself used to ride all, all them horses. Mm. They'd just go to the provincials and they were just too good for them. Yeah. And Gay, Gay, and she still does it, sends the good horses here on a Saturday to the provincials and, um, you know, they were just, you know, just come out and win. Yeah. So it was it was really exciting time, you know, riding for Gay, you know. Yeah. Sort of from ninety seven to two thousand fourteen, it was mm. it was great. So her plan in in sending good horses to those meetings was quite simply to to let them win without undue stress and to get their confidence up. 
Exactly like, exactly right. Gay, Gay's a big believer in these young horses. Send them on a trip away, you know, for a day out. You know, they're on the float for an hour and a half, two hours. The tracks are very good. Kembla and Newcastle are very good tracks. Mm. Um, so a day out and the experience, get them to jump out, you know, under race conditions and 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 win and that, and build their confidence up to come to the city. And Gay still does it. To this day, Gay and Adrian Bott still do it to this day. Mm. I just thought of another one that um, she sent to Kembla more than once. Mark Newnham may have ridden Bentley Biscuit. Bentley Biscuit, yeah, first start in a race. He mm. won be about oh, 16 lengths first start in a race yeah. down there at Kembla. As you'd yeah, expect. No, he, <laughs> yeah, he was, a, he was a very nice horse indeed, so. Yeah. Now, Neil, you were riding for TJ Smith long before you were riding for Gay Waterhouse. How far back do you go with TJ, I'd say, into the 1980s? Exactly right. Uh, well, going back, I was you mentioned before, I was apprenticed to Albert McKenna and I had my first ride um, in 19, August 1980. Mm-hmm. And then I, them days, you had to be apprenticed till you were 21. So I come out of my time, uh, 1980, just 85, December, uh, no, what was it, uh, no, December 84, mm-hmm. and then when I come out of my time, then that's when I started riding work for Tommy. So Tommy had naturally had a lot of jockeys and stable jockey, Mick Dipman, mm-hmm. there. And, um, you know, but Tommy, if you ride work for Tommy, look, mm-hmm. Gay yourself's the same, Gay and Adrian, but you ride work mm-hmm. for them, they'll give you rides. Mm-hmm. So I rode, I rode for Tommy right sort of on and off right through till 1992 till I went overseas and, mm-hmm. and rode some nice horses and nice winners for him. Mm-hmm. Neil, one of my most indelible memories uh, was a Thursday morning in the Randwick Infield. I was out there doing a story uh, on a particular horse for the Channel 9 News. Track work had just finished and a brigade of jockeys, there must have been nine or ten jockeys lined up and the little corporal, Tommy Smith, uh, stood in front of them with a sheet of paper Uh, with a lot of horses' names and jockeys written upon it, and he told each jockey what they'd be riding the following Saturday. You've probably seen something similar. That's exactly right. That's what that's what he used to do. You know, them days. That's John. What you said is so correct because them days there were no managers about, Mm. um, and you know, like even though Tommy probably had someone. I'm sure he had someone in his office doing the accounts or whatever, but mm. Tommy would overrule everything himself and book the jockeys himself. You know, say, "All oh, right, mm. you jump on that because you can ride it next week." Yeah, you know, bang. Oh, you know, so that that's how it was done. You know, in the 1980s, you know, in early 1990s. That's mm. exactly right. So you're correct there. Most of the jockeys I saw that morning gracefully accepted, uh, you know, the boss's ruling, but I can remember Neville Voigt. He, he must have been riding a horse called Turf Cutter in most of its track work at the time, and right. Tommy forgot to put him on Turf Cutter. So <laughs> Neville uh, very quickly put his hand up. He said, Boss, what about Turf Cutter? Who's riding it? <laughs> and TJ, to his credit, said, Oh, okay, sorry, Neville, you can ride Turf Cutter. Yeah, there you go. Nifty, nifty. What a great bloke. And a great, great jockey and a great bloke. My word. And Turf Cutter was a pretty handy horse. Matter of fact, I think Neville won on him the following oh, there Saturday. You go. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Have you been on a horse's back since the day of the fall in Noumea? No. No, I haven't. I Since I fell that day, I have not been on a horse's back at all. Um, a lot of people ask me, do I miss riding? I do not miss riding whatsoever, mm. for, probably for the simple reason, John, that um, I'm just so busy. Um, I'm, I'm lucky enough, I, I really feel so lucky that I'm just so busy in life, going to the races all the time and working for Gay and Adrian, that uh, I don't miss riding one iota. Now, I, I, I talk to a lot of jockeys that are retired mm. and they do miss, yeah. you know, riding, which, you know, it's, you know... I, which is good or bad, I don't know what to think there. Mm. But um, to answer your question, no, not at all. Mm. Nowadays, you go to track work whenever you're not required at a provincial or country meeting uh, on that particular day. You like to keep tabs on the horses that you're likely to be taking to the races next week or the week after. My, my word, I, I, I go to the track and, you know, just 
you know, I, I walk a few out to the half mile to the corral, you know, for the jockeys or the um, track work riders to jump on them. And I just enjoy, you know, around the horses and having a look and mm. very, um, like, I like to know how, how they're going and, you know, their programs and everything. And yeah. also, plus, uh, look, a little bit of homework for when, when I get interviewed on Sky Channel or whatever, yeah. you know, when Adrian or Gay are not there, well, I sort of do do the speaking for the stable, mm. you know, on Gay and Adrian's behalf. So I, I have to really know, do my homework and know what I'm talking about, you know, mm. to – well, um, try to help the punters and let the owners know what's going on. So mm. I do like going to track work of the morning, yes. Now, Neil, what are your duties on a race day at Wyong, Newcastle, Scone, Goulburn, wherever you might be? Um, well, besides settling up the horses and giving – relaying the jockey's instructions from Gay and Adrian. Like mm. I speak to Gay and Adrian. Once I'm on track, check mm. the horses that have arrived yeah. and give Gay and Adrian a ring straight away, see how the track's running, you know, if the horses are in later races, mm. whether it's good inside, outside. We go through all that and mm. then um, they'll, you know, come back with the instructions, the speed maps for me to relate to the jockeys that are riding a horse for the day. But also another important thing, um, is to look after the owners that are there. Yeah. You know, gay, gay and Adrian are big into that. And, you know, make the owners so they're so important to our stable. Mm. So you know, give them they're there, excited about their horse, and you be excited for them and yeah. with them. So gay likes me to get there and give the owners a, a great experience, and um, you know, really, you know, sort of. Make it a happy day for everyone involved. Mm. So that's that's very important. Gay and Adrian have, have told me to do, which I, I definitely try to do. Mm. Now you mention excitement. It was mm. sheer excitement that triggered a reaction that would get you into big trouble after <laughs> Farnan won the twenty twenty Golden Slipper at the height of those stringent biosecurity measures. You ignored yeah. the social distancing rules immediately after the race and you sprinted to give Adrian Bott a hug. Now, That's I mean, right. Neil, yeah. everybody watching knew how it had happened. It was sheer excitement on your part. You just didn't think. Did not. Didn't even enter my mind. Didn't enter my mind. That, that was, look, that race day, there was no one there. No. And I actually sat in the stand totally by myself, mm. up in the stand, you know, um, Adrian watched it down in the paddock with a strapper. Yeah. And then I, I just walked – I always like watching the races in the grandstand, so I just walked up in the grandstand by myself, sat down, mm. and, you know, it was a golden slipper. So I got excited and, you know, jumped up and down, looked around to hug anyone, no one around. <laughs> So I rolled it straight down to the paddock and mm. seen Adrian just standing there and I didn't even think about, you know, the social distancing mm. and jumped up and, you know, hugged him and, yeah. and di didn't even enter my mind. Yeah. Uh, and sort of once it sort of told me, you know, afterwards, oh, I'll stay away, I went, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, and left it at that. But, you know, yeah. um, with with all the restrictions and what was going on and what the – the government and racing was trying to do, well... You paid I the penalty. Get, yeah, I yeah. end up getting into trouble for it, yes. Well, they conducted an inquiry and you were banned from racetracks for one month. I think yes. it's, you could still get to the track work, though, couldn't you? I, I could still go to track work, which I did, mm. yeah, but I wasn't allowed to show me head race day, so uh, I was yeah. banned for one month. But, you know, look, I, I, look, I'd done the wrong thing. I accepted it, but it was just... It was just totally, um, I look, just a mistake of mine and I didn't even yeah. think that I was doing the wrong thing until people reminded me afterwards and I yeah. thought, you know, so just, just one of them things, mate. Neil, it's called adrenaline. That's right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you had plenty of it. Uh, I had plenty of it, my word, John. <laughs> and you probably liked the horse too, did you? Did you have a personal oh, connection I, to yeah, Farnham? Yeah. yeah. Exactly right. You know, these horses, you just... You know, unfortunately, or not unfortunately, but fortunately, you get attached to them all. You know, mm. we have these horses in the in the stable from when they come out of the sale yards again, Adrian buy them at the yearling sales. Mm. So we're sort of with them from day one. 
you know, so you see them grow up and mature into, you know, nice horses. So you really get a thrill, you know, A for the horse and B for the owners. So yeah. it's it's a real adrenaline rush. Your dad, Reg, was the yep. George Moore of the West. When you mm-hmm. were growing up, he had the support of many stables and he could be relied upon to, to win a race or two wherever he went in the bush in an era yep. when they raced on Saturdays only, quite often with only five or six races on the card. Yeah, and that, uh, that was an incredible jockey out that way at the Central West. He won every cup, not once or twice. He won them six and seven times mm. around then. And, you know, them days there were massive crowds get to the races. You go to Cowra races, Orange, Dubbo, you know, they were you know, they'd be they'd set forty bookies there, and oh, they'd yeah. get so oh, stacks of people to the races. You know, it was a big day when the races were in their country town. So, and like you say, John, they only raced on a Saturday, and you know, sometimes there'd be only five races, maybe six. Yeah. I don't think hardly ever seven races. Mm. Um, and you know, Dad, Dad, as you said earlier, Dad rode over a thousand winners. Yeah. Till he retired in 1983, mm. which is quite an incredible feat for a, you know a, a country jockey to be riding over a thousand winners. Like you say, when they only race Saturday and have five races and oh, six races and meet, so it was an incredible feat. And Dad rode from anywhere from Canberra to Warren to Burke to everywhere. You know, yeah. just wherever the races were on a Saturday. In the car we'd get, you know, Mum and Dad would throw us in the car and off we'd go. You know, yeah. and like. We'd live at Cowra. I, I grew up in Cowra, mm. and we'd jump in the car. Like these days, Cowra to Dubbo, say, was, is two hours now, you know, on the nice roads. Mm. Them days, the cars didn't go as fast. The roads mm. weren't as good. So uh, Cowra to Dubbo, it said, take three and a half hours. Hard work, quite so, a trick. Oh, it was a long day, you know, mm. in the back of the car, three and a half hours, Dad would ride all day. I'd go around the. I used to love going to the races them days because mm. remember the bottles. You, you'd get a the they drink bottles and you get five cents back off a bottle. <laughs> so I used to go around the race course all the time mm. and pick the bottles up and take them back to the shop. And mm. if I had four bottles, that's twenty cents I made for the day. Yeah, you know, you, that's what I used to do each race day. So I'd yeah. I I had a little bit of interest in the races, not much no. them days. But you had, you had more, business interests. <laughs> I had, I was already in the business, you know, collecting the bottles for five cents. So yeah. I come home with a, you know, 90 cents for the day. It was like I won a lot over. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. how is Reg Neal as we speak? He's had a few health problems, hasn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, your dad's got um, – you know, emphysema, I think you call it, uh, yeah, and he's got yeah. the oxygen there, and so he's, you know, like he, he can't walk far without getting knocked up. Mm. Um, so, you know, Dad's, you know, he's 86, yeah, he's 86-year-old now, so, yeah, like, yeah. he's he's not in the best of health, but the, look, Johnny, he lives for getting up, watching the this This guy, gentlemen, racing on the TV is the best thing for people. Oh, my word. You know, it, you know, for the older people and even the younger people, to watch the races at home is incredible. So Dad watches the races and the footy, enjoys all the sport, and, you know, that's that's his life now and real, really enjoys it and, and still lives for the races. Reggie, you're almost certain to be listening to this podcast all the best, mate, and I've got very fond recollections of the odd race ride you had in Sydney when you mixed it with the very best uh, on the Sydney yep. tracks and more than held your own. Exactly right. Exactly right. I think yep. it was Dad who arranged for you to learn the basics from a former great jockey in Brisbane, Colin O'Neill and his wife, Pam. Were you actually apprenticed to Col? No, I wasn't apprentice there. I, I was sent from Cara. I, I said to Dad, I was a pastry cook. I left school um, in year nine when I was, as soon as I turned 15, I left school and I was a pastry cook for 10 months. Mm-hmm. And I, for some reason, I I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. And I just got home one day and said to Dad and Mum, listen, um, I want to be a jockey. And Dad said, what? You've, you've had nothing to do with horses. Mm. And I said, oh, I want to give it a go. So 
cut a long story short, he got a pony and sort of I started riding. While I still worked as a pastry cook, started riding, you know, around the paddocks and everything. And obviously after a couple of months, he said, show me your keen. Mm. And after a couple of months, he said, right, fair enough. He said, um, I've got – well, Dad was apprentice with Colin Neal at Burt Bellingham Stables, the old TJ Smith Stables there mm. in Barrel Street. Mm. Burke Bellingham had them, and then yeah. John Page took them over. Mm-hmm. So that's where Dad and Colin Neal were apprenticed them days, and then Cole went on to train up in Brisbane. So mm. that's how I ended up in Brisbane with Colin Neal. I was up there for mm. three or four months just learning the basics, yep. and then um, Cole rang Dad and said, look, I think this boy you know, might make it as a jockey. You know, he's going good. Mm. So then I sort of... You know, got shipped from there down to um, a, a position come up at Albert McKenna's at Randwick. Oh, yeah. that was the so, break you wanted. Exactly right. So Albert I, McKenna, the late Albert I, McKenna, a lovely yeah, bloke who could oh, train a racehorse and he could produce an apprentice. My word, he, he, he had a stack of apprentices, Albert, and and I got down there and really enjoyed it, Albert's, and that's where I done my whole apprenticeship, and you know he was, you know, a, besides a good trainer, Albert was a very good bloke and a caring bloke. Yeah, and would all he, Albert learnt me to drive, you know, got me L plates and that, and and also them days, John, you you never got your money. Like it's a bit different these days for apprentices. Mm. You didn't get your money till you were twenty. You come out of your time. Yeah, till you're twenty one years of age, mm. then all the money the ATC used to store it and then give you your money in lump sum, mm. which which I thought was very, very good. Besides getting paid your wages working at the stables for Albert, yeah. the money I was earning riding yeah. stayed in an AJC account. Yeah. So when when I turned 21, Albert said to me, he said, right, son, he said, he picked out a unit in Allison Road for me. He said, come and have a look at this unit. Mm. He said, do not touch this money. He said, let it go from that account straight into that bank and buy this unit. Mm. And I listened to him and, you know, never forgot the advice he gave me and that really kicked me on from there, mm. you know, sort of financially wise to get get a unit in them days oh. and then from there to a house. Look, without, without wisdom, that advice. Wisdom, sheer wisdom. And, Neil, there have been so many young riders over the years oh, who, who John- copped the lump sum at the end of their apprenticeship and squandered it. That that's right. They'd come out and buy a big car, you know, their money going to a big Mercedes or BMW, and and besides buying Albert Tommy buy a unit, he also had a guy. He said, you know, go to this dealership here and buy a um, and the, the cars were uh, Holden Commodore Vocational, mm. you know, only a cheap, you know, like Commodore. He said, go and buy a car there with me friend. Yeah. With me money, so that's what I done. So mm, good on you. bought a unit and a car, which you know, and now but helped me do that and put it in my head. Whereas, mm. as you said, a lot of apprentices they get the money straight in their bank and run a mock. Minute, buy, right, <laughs> you know, they're they're buying big cars and yeah. women and nightclubs and oh, yeah. you know, and, and and so you think you're gonna keep getting this money all the time. Mm. It's just going to be never-ending, but I'm afraid, you know, that just doesn't happen. No. Albert no. McKenna let you go to Grenfell to ride your first winner. Horse's name was Range Rider. And to add to the excitement of the day, your dad was riding at the same meeting. That's correct, yeah. Dad and Mum um, were over there that day and, as you said, Dad Dad rode at the same meeting. So that was my first winner, uh, August the 10th, 1980. Mm. Yeah, so no, it was it was great. No, good win. Your first winner for the boss, Albert, was Nin Taka in the last race at Rose Hill one day in 1980. I'll bet you've that's, never forgotten that race. That's exactly right. Yeah, I, I drew wide well, that that day. I think you know it was I drew coming out. Of, there were eighteen. Well, I'm sure there were eighteen runners in the race. Might have been seventeen, and I come out about barrier fourteen and just yeah. shot across the front of the field and didn't knock him down, did you? I'm afraid I did actually. <laughs> I, I'm afraid I sent him skiddling. You know, like, and this was only about me twentieth ride, and like I didn't even realise that I was just cutting him short. All I, all I had was eyes for that inside fence. <laughs> you know, get to the front and that inside fence, and next minute I. I knocked about eight of them down, Ooh, and, one, yeah. and one of them was Peter Peter Cook, you know, and 
Mm. Oh, didn't Pete give it to me after the race? <laughs> oh, but he yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, I got in the shoes. Luckily, you know, I got a severe reprimand, but uh, it was just um, I just didn't realise at the time. No. You know, so, you know, I, I, um, I felt bad about it, but I sort of didn't didn't even know. I was just a green apprentice and just had eyes for that, to get to that fence and win the race. and In the shortest possible re- time. No, exactly right. Exactly right. Not realising there was another, another you know, 12 inside me there. <laughs> Neil, we'll yeah. take a quick little break on the podcast. We'll come back with you after this. Racing New South Wales didn't forget the tab highways and the midways in the latest round of prize money increases. The weekly editions of both races will go from $100,000 to $120,000 as from September the 1st. The tab highways introduced in 2015 have been a runaway winner for racing New South Wales and country participants. Every bit as popular are the midways, introduced as recently as July 2021 and now a primary focus of the smaller metropolitan and provincial stables. How fitting it was that the very first midway was won by Albalagio Miss, trained by Greg Hickman, who'd been a prime mover in the creation of the concept. The Tab Highways have created tremendous interest among country owners who were constantly on the lookout for a potential highway horse. Bush trainers have something to aim for when they feel they have a progressive horse in the stable and the punters find the Tab Highways great betting mediums. Country owners and trainers had cause for a double celebration when they learned prize money for the Kosciuszko would leap from $1.3 million to $2 million. The highways and the midways and the $2 million Kosciuszko are a major part of the new look at New South Wales racing. My special guest is former successful jockey Neil Payne and now a familiar face on the Waterhouse Bot team in Sydney. Now, Neil, the Silver Slipper went from 900 to 1,100 metres in 1984. You probably didn't know Bob Jackson, the trainer from Burke, who'd come to Sydney for eye surgery. So he decided to throw this filly on the float and bring her to Sydney with him. He nominated her for the Silver Slipper. What were your thoughts when you were being legged up on the day? I, I had no thought. All all I knew that she was very, very quick. Mm-hmm. And the jockey that rode a previous and won three on her, he was an Aborigine jockey, Aboriginal jockey called Mab Fuller. Mm-hmm. And Mab actually rang me and said, mate, he said, this is a very, very quick horse. He said, just let her run. Mm-hmm. Let her run. He said, don't worry about holding her up, just let her run. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what I'd done. You know, just jumped out. I, I think at one stage I was – uh, there at the 600, uh, I'm thinking I was about seven lengths in front. Oh, she led a you long know, way. So I remember calling the race, Neil. I thought, this has got to stop. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Seven lengths in, seven or eight lengths in front at the 600. So yeah. over 1,100 metre race and you get seven or eight lengths in front, mm. that's a that's a long way, you know. Oh, so, yeah. um, so, and then I, I think I want to be about oh, three quarters of length or something. Shay yeah. Bish runs second, Darren Beatman. Mm. And, um, you know, but she was very, very fast. And that's correct. A funny story that, you know, Bob, he had to get eye surgery. So he mm. said, oh, well, I'll bring this filly down and, you know, to race in the silver slipper. So, mm. and and imagine if it was 900, John, how fast she would have oh, won. Oh, she'd have won by she, space. Her yeah, name, by she, the way, I haven't mentioned her name, was Kisses for oh, Kathy. Kisses for Kathy. Yeah, Kisses yeah. for Kathy. Yeah, no. And then she went for a bit of, uh, you know, my brother rode her after that, Rodney Payne. He mm. rode her up at Gilgandra over, I think, over half a mile, and she won be 10 up there. And then mm. she had a bit of a break and then come back down the – you know, the old Thomas and know the old Gosford KB slipper. Yeah. There was run over 1100 or something. And mm. them days, it was a bit of a lead up to the golden slipper mm. as such. And she ran in that and went amiss. Yeah. And um, then I, I, I'm sure John Singleton brought her after that, you know, as a, a broodmare. Yeah. You know, back them days. There was great excitement at Rose Hill after that silver slipper because it had been such a fairy tale story. I was calling for 2GB on the day 
and we got Bob Jackson up to the broadcast box for an interview. I can still see him nearly had a great big bandage over one eye following his uh, surgery. I remember him as a real bush character. Yeah, that's exactly. He, he was a dead set bushy. Yeah, no, that's right. Him and his two sons. Yeah, they were. Yeah, great, great people. And that was a great day. Mm. Great day. Poor old Bob met a dreadful fate, didn't he? A few years later. Uh, yeah, a few years later, he he was now what race meeting it was. He was coming back from whether it was Dubbo, Gilgans, or something, going back to Burke, mm. and he had horses on the back of his float. Got a flat tire, hopped out, changing his tire, and unfortunately, a truck going past, you know, hit him, and um, you know, Bob passed away. You know, oh. so yes, yeah, shock, shock, and you know, I was devastated here. Oh, that was dreadful news, and yeah, yeah. I think our, our memories all flash back to that fateful day in 1984 yeah. when Kisses for Kathy won the silver slipper with Neil exactly Payne right. in the saddle. Hey, your exactly first right. Group 1 should have been the 1985 Epsom. You rode a horse called Double Dandy for Harold Riley, and mm-hmm. you suffered from the Barrier 1 curse. Oh, did I what? I'm 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 still nailed to that fence here at Ramwick for mm. all these years. I, it, them days, John, it's um yeah, there were twenty runners in the race. Or might have even been twenty-four twenty-four. Mm. Uh, but I drew one barrier and he he was um favoured or equal favoured in the race mm. and I was running about Eighth or tenth on the fence. Yeah, you mm. just had to ro- just ride in that bit quiet. Mm. And them days, John, it was it was um, like good riding, but difficult hard riding. Them days because mm. them days there there were no bias. Them days mm. the jockeys, you know, they rode so much tighter. Them days, and you know they stuck to the fence. And if you you know if you sat three deep, well you'd well. What a bad ride there, you know. Mm. But so w- I was midfield and all the way up the straight, I had a lap full of horse and could mm. not get out anywhere. I was just no. just pinned to the fence. And as it turned out, I run third yeah. and got beat a, a head and a neck or something. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I, I just kept pushing through just, you know, hoping for the, the best. And because I was going so good, I was going for gaps where there was no room, but he, he was just – you know, going so good. So mm. if I just had a got an inch of space, he just starts for a wins. Mm. Miracle know, so. Mel won that Epsom on a New Zealand horse called Magnitude. Hey, Neil, Magnitude, it was around this yes. time you got to ride a pretty classy mare for dear old Max Crockett, mare called Seeker's Gold from the Foister uh, stable. Yeah, exactly right. I rode her first start in a race. I'll never mm. forget it. And now um, – Lloyd Foister had two in it. Mm. Uh, I think Exclusive Planet, he was favourite. Lloyd Foister um, owned it and he owned Seekers Gold. Nick was a first starter in the same race. Mm. And now uh, Maxi Crockett trained Seekers Gold. Now, mm. um, I think Hayden Baz- Buzz- Basler might have trained um, Exclusive Planet and Jeff Allendorf rode it. Mm. Uh, Baden Hasler. Baden Hasler. Baden Hasler, Randwick down. trainer, yeah. That's exactly right. And he trained for Lloyd. And mm. um, and um, that day on uh, going to the barriers, like this horse had never seen a white fella. Even though Maxie was so good with horses, <laughs> the horse was this big green and rare yeah. mare. And, you know, Maxie said, mate, he said, this goes terrific. He said, he said you can win this. Yeah. So, But worst thing is when I jumped out of the barriers – I missed the kick about eight lengths. Oh, dear. It just did not jump at all. Mm. And then I tacked onto the field at about the 500 mm. and on straightening, give it a dig mm. and whiz through the middle of them and one be a length and a half. Oh, it, yeah. it was about 100 to one this day. Yeah. And I it that horse gave me such a good feel there from mm. the 300 down the Ramwick straight. Mm. I thought – God, this horse is an absolute freak. Yeah, yeah, she was yeah. very smart. Seeker's uh, gold, oh, yeah. Seeker's gold. And then next start, it only got 46. It went um, from Sydney up to the Lightning Handicap in Brisbane to the Brisbane Carnival, mm. and it only got 46 kilos. Um, for some reason, uh, like, where do I got it? I'm not quite sure 
whether I couldn't make the weight or I had other rides down here. Mm. Cut a long story short, I didn't ride it. Um, Graham Island rode the horse mm. and it came out and won the Lightning Stakes second run in a race. Oh, yes, yeah. Won yeah, the Liverpool it, Cup later too. Yeah, Liverpool. It was mm. look. It it was one of the uh, best mares I'd ridden that day. It just mm. gave me such a good feel. Well, here's another mare you rode in 1988, and this was, at last, a Group One. It was the Orlando Wines Classic, now known as the Coolmore. Strawberry That's... Fair was trained by Colin Hayes, and had only 50.5 kilos. Was that yeah, the that's reason right. you got on her? Yeah, yeah. I, I picked the ride up, um, you know, them days riders had to be declared Friday morning at 8.30 and I think I, I picked the ride up on the Thursday night because she had such a light weight mm-hmm. and the fields them days didn't come out till, you know, midday Thursday. So I'd just got no mobile, mobile phones them days so I had to wait till I got home and then there was a message on the recorder. Mm. from David Hayes to uh, give him a call mm. and because it was unknown we would get a run. Mm. So it got a run and um, I was lucky enough to pick up the ride and uh. and, and, and win the race. Now, that was a, a great thrill to finally win a Group 1. Mm. You know, it was a really, really good thrill. And, and that sort of started a great connection mm. with David Hayes and Colin Hayes. From, from there on, I, I rode um, – over the next four or five years for them consistently when they brought their horses to Sydney. Yeah. You know, tra- I rode them in, you know, I helped them in track work and, you know, also they they give me race rides. You won a race on Eastern Classic, I remember, and you tell me you were riding Better Loosen Up in a fair bit of his track work. Yeah, yeah, Better Loosen Up. Oh, what a sensational. He just gives you such a big, you know, good feeling. He was such mm. a big horse, you know, when he come through his grades up here and I – he, he, he won the Rawson and Stakes and everything when he was up here in Sydney, mm. and he he was great. Michael Clark was his rider them days, yeah. you know, the stable jockey for Hayes. So he mm. he rode it and won on it. But I used to ride him all his track work. Mm. But then getting back to Eastern Classic, yeah, he won the Hill Stakes at um, Rose Hill Week for Age Hill Stakes. Mm. Uh, it was a group group two or group three race them days. Yeah, and it beat a horse called Stargazer. Mm. Mick Dittman and Tommy Smith and Stargazer was uh, going back to the old days. Stargazer was twos on them days. Yeah, you know he was twos on, and you know I got up and beat him. You know in the last you know few tries. Yeah. I think old Eastern Classic he was mm. he was about eight or ten to one. Mm. I'm going to pick yeah. up the pace a bit, Neil, because time's on the wing. You went yep. very close to another Group One. In March 1989, when you gained the ride on a pretty famous horse called Dandy Andy, a year after he'd beaten Vaux Rogue in the Australian Cup, Jim Searchy brought him to Sydney for the Queen Elizabeth. There were only five runners. You rode Dandy Andy, and coming up the rise, you were getting pretty excited. Oh, that's right. Bozam was odds-on favourite in the race. Mm. I went past him, you know, travelling, hit the lead at the top of the rise and kicked away and I I really thought the way I kicked I was home mm. and then all of a sudden <laughs> out of the corner of my eye, our poetic prince was Noel Harris. Yeah, yeah. Come and down the – just because it was a very wet track so I come out wide mm. and he, he just got up on the – you know, come out wide also, got up the inside of me, mm. grabbed me the last few strides. So mm. that's another one that got away. Neil, we now come to the most bitter, sweet experience of your riding career in the 1990-91 season. You won three straight in town on Terse for Clary Connors. You rode him in the $1 million English Classic at Rose Hill, again from that dangerous barrier one. It's bizarre to think that you ran second to a horse called Pockets because that's exactly what beat you on the day, a big fat pocket. That's exactly right, John. Yeah, really. Yeah, Terse had, but he he'd led every start and won. He drew one early this day in the million dollar race, and and Clary wanted me to ride him in behind because Clary's the opinion I can't keep leading and winning you know the big races. So that day, you know, Clary wanted me to ride him behind. So I actually thought, well, I better do the right thing, you know, to keep the ride on the horse. Um, so I rode him in behind, third on the fence. 
where, you know, most times that's where you want to be, third on the fence, beautiful. Mm, mm. Well, I'm still third on the fence. Yeah, and yeah. In the, I couldn't get out anywhere and and the lead has fallen back in my face and then, mm. you know, then at the furlong I just, uh, just you know, didn't put my blinker on, just come straight out, knocked a few down and rushed <laughs> home and run second. Yeah, I got, yeah. I did get time that day. Yeah. Yeah, I copped a couple of weeks that day, but um, – yeah, just one of them things, and um, mm. then unfortunately lost lost the ride on it. Well, yeah. So when, when did you find out Shane Dye had gained the ride? Um, oh, probably look, probably a couple of weeks later when mm. he had a bit of a break, and then he was coming back for I think the, the Penfolds Classic up at Newcastle. Mm. It was the Coca Cola yeah. Classic that year? Coca Cola Classic that year was yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so I, I'd only sort of just. You know, a, a week or so, week or two before that, yeah. I found that I'd lost the ride. So, well, you know, what, what do you, what do you do? What you do know? you do? He, he won the Coca Cola. He won the Todman. He won the Golden Slipper. He won the Sires Produce. He won the Champagne. Yeah. And after all of that, you'd have been feeling punchy. Yeah. No, he he, he was a very nice horse. He's very nice horse. But, um, yeah, look, yeah, just John. It's like anything. You just have to. You can't. Get down and bitter on it. You just have to keep your head up and charge along. You know, it's it's happened to many jockeys before me, many jockeys after. In, in any sport, it's it's the same. So, look, mm. my attitude is, well, that's the way it goes. Just look on and ahead and, you know, carry on. Mm. You and Raylene have four kids. Daughter yep. Taylor is married to top jockey Brenton Avdullah. And they're yes. the parents of two. So you're Brenton Avdullah's father-in-law. I'm Brenton's father-in-law, yeah, yeah. No, Brenton, he very good rider, very strong rider, very focused. Mm. Um, yeah, he's, he's lucky enough to win two golden slippers, and uh, he's, he's a very good boy. Another daughter, Sheridan, has just become engaged to jockey Regan Bayless. There's another good rider not getting the chances yeah. he deserves. Yeah, no, Regan's, um, he's only a young jockey. He's made, look, Regan's, for a young jockey, he's ridden everywhere. Besides Melbourne, he went over to Hong Kong. He's rode over in America. Mm. He's rode over in England. Um, now he's, he's based here in Sydney. He's a very, very good rider. He's a patient rider and got beautiful hands. Mm. Um, he's very focused and he, he, like, he's won, uh, Regan's won, I think, six or seven group ones already. Yes, he's he only has. 25. Mm. So, look, he, the older he gets, the more mature he'll get and the better rider he'll be. So he'll, he'll definitely make a, a nice group one rider in years to come. You have another daughter who has her own hairdressing salon at Matraville and has no yes. connection with racing. Yeah, no, Shannon, she's got she's got um, three little children. She's got her own hair salon at Matraville and and she got her hair salon goes really really well. It's named Transition, so mm. I advise anyone if they want a haircut, transitions <laughs> to go. <laughs> yeah, good on you. And your son Blake is riding work for Gay and Adrian, and he also works on the barriers. Yeah, correct. Rides work for Gay and Adrian, then works on the barriers full time. You know, at all the Sydney metropolitan um, race tracks, and then you know, whenever they're short of the provincials, he he goes to provincials. He's very hard worker, Blake, and you know, really enjoys. What he does, you know, he's very happy working with the horses. And look, you know, if he sticks at, you know, working on the barriers and that, you never know in, in years to come, you know, being so young, he mm. could become a starter or anything. You yeah, know, so yeah. there's there's all opportunities there for, for young people in racing to go mm. ahead. And, you know, I do think, Blake, you know, in years to come, you never know, John, he could be starting a Doncaster handicap in 15 years' time. <laughs> Good on him, I hope he is. <laughs> Former successful jockey Craig Hieronymus is married to your sister, Narelle, and they are the parents of Adam Hieronymus, who will be back early next year after his yep. time on the sidelines for betting offences. So you're Adam's uncle. And I believe Gay and Adrian intend to give him a good leg up when he returns. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Look, Gay, Gay and Adrian are right behind Adam. Um, Gay's got a lot of time for Adam's riding, and as a person. Um, so as soon as Adam's allowed back, you know, around Christmas time, two thousand and twenty-two, 
um, he'll go step straight back into, you know, ride and work at Tullock Lodge there and then and getting race rides because, you know, Gay, Gay has got a lot of time for him. Yes, so, so it'll, it'll be um, great to see Adam back. Well, Neil, you'll be 60 in December and you're yep. pretty content with your lot in life. Can we expect any new outfits in the near future? A stack, John, a stack. That's one thing I haven't given up on, looking for the next new outfit yet, no. Um, yep, so whether I intend, you know, just keeping going for as long as I can, I'm happy. But, you know, as you said, I'm looking for the next new outfit, brighter, bigger and better. <laughs> for a bloke <laughs> who loves racing and racing people, you're in the perfect job, aren't you? Oh, look, look, I'm... I'm Hit on the bum with a golden star or whatever they. What is it? You know what's the saying they have out there? Well, that's me. Yeah. You know, so I'm so I'm so lucky, and I, I feel so fortunate to be in the position working for a leading stable and, and enjoying what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, it's and as John, John, I hold you up there. But sports people, when they give up their, you know, what they've done, whether they're a footballer, jockey, or whatever, what do you do next? Yeah. And I am so lucky that I've found uh, a great career move. Neil Payne, it's been a delight having you on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Appreciate your time very much. Good on you, John. Thank you. It was Alfred Lord Tennyson who said, In the spring, a young man's fancy lightly turns to thoughts of love. It was legendary race caller Ken Howard who said, In the spring, a young man's fancy turns to horse racing. Nowadays, a young lady's fancy may also turn to the track, especially on a day like Saturday, August 20, when the new spring fashions will be trotted out for the first Group 1 of the season. It's the wink stakes for the older horses over 14 metres worth $750,000. Co-feature will be the Group 2 Silver Shadow Stakes for three-year-old fillies, which kicks off the Dali Princess Series, a quartet of races progressing through the Furious, the T-Rose, into the Group 1 Flight Stakes on Epsom Day. Back to Wink Stakes Day, and there are also three Group 3s on the card, the Show County, the Toy Show Quality, and the Premier's Cup. This is just the beginning, the first Group 1 of the season to launch a spring carnival of extraordinary depth. Saturday, August 20, for the Wink Stakes.